um, and welcome to ACOM who will give us a, um, the Employment Land Review Study. I'll take, um, if I may, um, with the committee's support, apologies for absence and declarations of interest, and then I'd like to go into the study so that um, you, you uh, all gentlemen, um, can be on your way. I mean, you're welcome to stay, of course, but, um, and then we'll go back to minutes and matters arising. Um, so, uh, without further ado, um, it gives me pleasure to welcome Acom, but I will ask Richard just to formally introduce you. Yes, good, good evening everybody. Yeah, I'd like to introduce uh, Dave Widger and Simon Furley from ACOM who've prepared the Employment Land Review report which is summarised in the committee report for you this evening but excuse me, they will take you through the findings of the study in more detail and uh, field any questions you might have for them. Chairman, thank you. Oh, okay. Thanks. Uh, I'll, what I'll do is I'll just take you through the first two slides, which is covering the purpose of the work and also the key objectives of the work. And then Simon will talk a bit, a bit more through the approach and some of the findings from the study. Um, so in terms of what the, what the purpose of the work was, um, so essentially the ELR is one of the key documents part of the suite of documents to inform the Council's new local plan, which is, I believe, going to be due next March. Um, and so, yeah, the ELR is an update, which is going to be one of those key pieces of the evidence base. Uh, essentially, the ELR is going to assess the quantity and quality of the district's employment land, and in particular, forecasting what future land and floor space requirements are in terms of bee use. Um, understanding what the potential requirements are for employment land and premises and how that relates to economic growth and development within within Uttlesford district. Uh, we very much looked at the ELR findings from 2011 and have built upon those, obviously with more up-to-date forecasts to do with employment. Emphasising this is an objective assessment, so very much as specialists this is an independent objective assessment of the supply of employment land within the district and potential future demand for employment land and floor space. Um, and these are very much our recommendations that the Council will obviously use uh, to look at the comparison between supply and demand for employment land. And uh, obviously the findings of the study will be considered by the Council when determining their development strategy for the new local plan. Building on that, the key objectives of our study were to assess the quantity and quality of the Uttersford's employment land supply and then considering the suitability to continue to support B use class employment activities in the district, um, particularly looking at the ass assessing the demand for B use class employment space over the local plan period, um, drawing on both for the East of England forecasting model but also looking at what the commercial property market is currently saying and how the functional economic market has performed historically to date. Um, comparing the scale and qualitative characteristics of supply against forecast demand over the plan period and then drawing conclusions on what could be met in terms of demand and then also thinking, you know, drawing on the call for site proposals of which I think there's 42 employment sites and then providing recommendations for the district's employment land allocations and policies and in particular 
providing evidence which is indicating what the employment strategy and whether it should be whether it's still appropriate, uh, appropriate in terms of what was suggested in the pre-submission local plan consultation document. So we'll now move on to the approach which Simon will talk through followed by the findings from the study. Um, so the, so this is sort of outlines our key approach to the employment land review so as Dave's outlined. Sorry uh, what I should have said at the beginning is that we, we do broadcast so whilst I'm not going to ask you to describe each box because yep. we'd be here forever if you can just sort of imagine an audience out there. And to Thanks. So there's some sort of the key stages in the ELR uh, employment land review were consideration of supply, so taking into account call for sites, um, previous employment land surveys, uh, and consultation with agents and stakeholders, um, a policy and socioeconomic baseline review, uh, including socioeconomic analysis of baseline conditions within the district, uh, how, how things have been changing uh, historically, and then a pol planning policy and literature review. Um, and then a demand forecast taking account of property market analysis, uh, the employment land forecast, and again, based on consultation with agents and stakeholders. So those three stages really feed into um, an analysis, uh, a gap analysis, which is the balance between uh, current supply of employment land within the district and forecast demand, um, and then coming to a position on whether there's currently a surplus of employment land within the district or a deficit, in which case there's a requirement to allocate new employment land. Um, and then this feeds through into our policy recommendations and employment land strategy. So with regards to existing supply, um, the definition of employment land for the purpose of this study is land with business activities which operate from premises with B1, B2 and B8 use class. Um, so to that regard we mean B1A, so office, B1B, research and development or R&D and um, B1C, light industry, uh, B2 which is manufacturing activities and B8 which are warehousing activities. Uh, for the purposes of this study, the study area was considered to be the whole of Uttersford district, but with regards to the commercial property market analysis, we also take account of the wider property market area, uh, which in this case uh, is defined as Uttersford, East Hertfordshire, Epping Forest and Harlow. Um, the PMA was based on economic evidence uh, used to support the objectively assessed housing need um, and market consultation with agents. Uh, with regards to the sites which were considered for the supply survey, um, we captured all of the 2011 ELR sites uh, which are still in active employment use. Uh, we consulted with uh, Uttersford District Council to determine which sites since 2011 have been uh, transferred to residential or non-employment uses. And we also considered call for sites uh, which were put forward for employment uses uh, which were over 0.25 hectares in size. So the findings of the supply assessment, we had 38 existing employment sites comprising approximately 256 hectares of land. Um, the majority of employment sites within the district were found to contain largely small to medium-sized premises serving a predominantly local market. Um, the supply of large, large office industrial and warehousing units in the district, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, is relatively limited, uh, with the exception of employment sites in proximity to Stansted Airport. Uh, what we found was that this, the south of the district tended to have 
larger concentrations of large units, whereas the, the northern half of the district were much smaller local, um, local industrial estates. Uh, the majority of employment sites were found to be functioning well with low vacancy rates, although a small number of sites were observed to contain older or poorer grade industrial stock. And in particular, we found that there's, again, in the north of the district, very limited evidence of recent investment in industrial sites, um, whereas there are some newer units in the south of the district. With regards to demand, uh, we undertook a quantitative assessment of the demand for office uh, and industrial floor space over the period to 2031. This was based on the East of England forecasting model and their projection of future floor space by use class. Um, we also considered different scenarios based on growth aspirations at Stansted Airport. This was based on work done by Hardesty Jones, um, which was based on 35 million passengers uh, per annum and a 45 million passengers per annum scenario. Um, so the EFM, the East of England forecasting model, builds upon past trends to estimate future employment. Uh, and from that, we estimated demand for employment floor space. Uh, so the headlines really from this were that the forecast concluded over the plan period to 2031. Demand for office floor space is likely to increase from between approximately 8,000 square metres to just under 14,000 square metres. Uh, demand for warehousing floor space is likely to increase uh, just over 6,000 square metres to just under 22,000 square metres. And demand for manufacturing floor space is likely to decrease by between approximately 9,000 and just over 13,000 uh, 13, square metres. Uh, so taking the uh, supply assessment and comparing this with our demand forecast, we came up with an estimate of the net requirement taking into account uh, existing employment land, uh, existing vacancy rates and frictional vacancy rates. Frictional vacancy rates are defined as the optimum level of surplus capacity in the market any one given time to allow efficient churn of occupancy. So in this case, uh, the typical benchmark for these types of studies is 8%. Um, below 8% within the market suggests that there's not enough supply um, to allow uh, appropriate choice of occupiers in different types of premises. So uh, we found that office is currently operating at a 5.2% vacancy rate, whereas industrial floor space is currently operating at a 1% vacancy rate. Uh, so obviously at the minute, as I'm sure you're aware, there's currently a lack of supply in industrial and office floor space within the district um, to achieve an optimum vacancy rate. Um, so the headlines again when we're looking at the net requirement for floor space is that for offices up to 2031 uh, there's an additional net requirement for approximately 16, just over 16.5 square metres of new office floor space. So this equates to approximately 1,100 square metres per annum. Uh, for industrial land, which incorporates light industrials, that's B1C, uh, B2 and B8 floor space, um, we estimate that there's approximately a net requirement for 18 hectares of industrial land. So for, in, for industrial floor space, you, uh, the PPG, so Planning Policy Guidance, states that floor space should be inverted to employment land uh, using plot ratios. So that's why we present that figure in, in hectares rather than square metres. Um, if you view the report, you'll see that a large proportion of the additional land requirement for industrial land 
is, is made up of the need to move towards a more optimal position of frictional vacancy because current vacancy is, is very low, uh, suggesting that more floor space is needed uh, or more land, industrial land is required. Uh, so moving on to conclusions. With regards to offices, the, we found that the majority of office floor space within the district is located within older stock in established industrial states or within small-scale business centres. Uh, market um, consultation suggests that there is sustained demand for new high-grade office floor space, particularly within the south of the district in proximity to Stansted Airport. Uh, there's a number of small business centres within the district providing office accommodation in converted buildings and farm outbuildings. Uh, these currently have high occupancy rates and it indicated that SMEs are currently a strong driver of the district's local economy. Um, consultation also suggested that demand in the future will be increasingly for serviced, flexible workspace suitable for start-up and grow-on businesses. Um, consultation in particular identified that at present there's a, a lack of um, capacity in the market for businesses to move premises. So often businesses were stuck uh, in, the business, in the premises they're currently based in um, and that there wasn't much choice if businesses were growing and required larger space. Uh, and what typically happens in those scenarios is that businesses will then look outside of the district in the wider property market area. Um, so that's obviously not an optimal uh, situation for Atosur as you want to retain your business base. Um, there's also an identified need for additional floor space within Saffron Walden and Great Dumno town centres. Um, and our analysis suggested that perhaps the demand for new office floor space within the district is likely to be met within new mixed-use site allocations um, and a number of strategic development sites within proximity of Stansted Airport. Um, and Again, looking at research and development space, uh, the evidence suggested this should continue to be provided at Chesterwood Research Park. Uh, with regards to industrial uh, land and floor space, um, we found that there were just under 230 hectares of industrial land within the district, um, of which 2.3 hectares is assessed uh, to be vacant and potentially developable. Um, so this relates to the 1% vacancy rate. Um, the majority of industrial land within the district is located within the northern and southern ancillary areas at Stansted Airport. It's approximately 160 hectares of industrial land in this area. Um, and then outside of the airport area, uh, industrial land is predominantly clustered in larger estates in the south of the district, such as Stansted Distribution Centre, uh, Chelmsford Road Industrial Estate and the Shire Hill Industrial Estate. Um, the majority of industrial clusters are under five hectares in size, they're, you know, they're relatively um, small um, and the property market analysis indicated that vacancy rates within Oxford are, are well below the, the wider property market average, um, which again, as I've said, uh, places constraints and alternative options for existing occupiers um, and, and limits their opportunities to, to, to grow and, and to move into more suitable premises. Um, we found that there are a small number of opportunities to release poorer performing older industrial stock um, and to promote new opportunities to bring forward new industrial land to meet the needs of future occupiers. Uh, as, as I said earlier, the, the, the forecast for manufacturing is, uh, is a decline in floor space demand, whereas for warehousing it's an increase. Um, typically, manufacturing um, Activities require different site requirements to warehousing um, businesses, 
the warehousing typically requires much better uh, access, strategic road access, um, and larger sites for internal circulation. What you'll find is that some of the older industrial stock uh, over time will will become more and more vacant and uh, an investment will not be concentrated in these areas because uh, the market is looking for different types of sites. Um, so we found that we identified that new opportunities are likely to come forward within the south of the district, uh, close to the airport and subsequently the M11 A120 um, strategic road access. So we've come up with um, a number of recommendations. I'll briefly run through these. So for B1 um, office and research and development use classes. Um, again, the demand assessment under the medium demand scenario indicated there would be a net additional requirement for approximately 16,600 square metres of B1 floor space uh, up to 2031. So we recommended that in order to meet this demand, the, the council should support the provision and retention of existing B1A, B uh, sites within the district and to promote the provision of new um, employment land within suitable locations. Um, broadly, these locations can include the town centres of Saffron Walden and Great Dumno, uh, as and when new development opportunities arise, uh, and sites located within and in proximity to other larger villages such as Elsenham, uh, Stansted, Mount Fitcher and Great Chesterford, uh, which may come forward as part of larger mixed-use proposals, uh, including proposed new settlements. Um, so the provision of new office space should uh, broadly complement existing provision um, and support a range of businesses uh, to grow and invest within Oxford, from start-up small uh, enterprises, which typically require more service, flexible office space, as well as larger businesses um, in the south of the district. Uh, and in particular, there's an opportunity to promote small office units um, to accommodate the needs of SMEs. And again, this should be affordable, uh, sort of flexible business space uh, in accessible locations in, in town centres. And again, these will probably come forward as part of mixed-use um, proposals. Uh, our second recommendation um, was that to support the net additional growth of office floor space, the council could also consider designating appropriate call for sites for office use class activities. Um, and recommendation three in regards to Chesterford Research Park um, very much uh, recommended that the council support the continued expansion of the research park for research and development uses uh, in accordance with the approved master plan um, and the council should also explore opportunities to increase the current limits and scope of permitted development to ensure that the park remains attractive to potential occupiers. Uh, we, as part of the market consultation, we spoke with Chesterwood Research Park uh, and we're aware they have ambitions to increase their limits of permitted development um, to ensure that they remain uh, competitive with other research parks within the, um, within the Cambridge area. Uh, recommendation four, which is with regards to uh, industrial use classes. So again, this is B1C, uh, B2 and B8 use classes. Uh, to support the requirement of uh, net additional 18 hectares of land for industrial use classes, um, we recommended that the council should support, should support the development of employment clusters which are currently functioning well as employment locations, um, but which have land, uh, vacant land or land with derelict buildings which could be uh, intensified um, or redeveloped. Uh, recommendation five, again with regards to industrial, uh, industrial land, was that the council should consider designating appropriate call for sites for industrial use class activities.
Um, recommendation six was that it was with regards to employment land release. Uh, we judged that there were limited opportunities for employment land release given the current performance of employment sites, but there are a small number of existing employment areas which are not performing as well uh, or were judged to be less suitable for use as industrial locations. Um, the council should monitor these existing employment sites within the district to ensure that those sites with low environmental quality and high vacancy rates were considered for alternative uses. Um, again, this is part of uh, the context in the decline in manufacturing employment and demand for manufacturing premises uh, and the increased demand for warehousing um, land, which often has very different site requirements to manufacturing. Uh, recommendation seven with regards to Stansted Airport, um, we recommended that the council should promote and encourage the efficient use of employment land within the airport boundary, um, including the designation of areas within the northern ancillary area, uh, which were currently observed to be underutilised as a result of restrictions on non-aviation related uses. Um, and again, with regards to Stansted Airport in recommendation eight, we recommended that the council should continue to support airport related development within the airport boundary in line with the airport sustainable development plan. Uh, just on a point of clarification. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, just on a point of clarification for R7. Are you talking about the old terminal site, the, the northern site? Uh, yes, yes. The, it's the site which was uh, suggested in the uh, pre submission um, yeah. plan. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Uh, and so there's one missing recommendation on there which is with regards to monitoring. Um, so that's more of a, uh, a broader recommendation across the plan period that the council should monitor uh, the supply of uh, existing employment land, particularly the um, conversion of uh, permitted development from office to residential uses to ensure that uh, the appropriate level of employment land is supplied within the district uh, in line with the recommendations in this report. Uh, and now I'll open up to questions. Well, thank you very much indeed, and thank you for your uh, very comprehensive report that we've uh, digested as well. It was a very helpful summary, um, and it reinforced some of the perceptions that we've had, and um, obviously, uh, painted a picture for the future uh, as, as well. Colleagues, questions on this? Councillor Barker. Um, yes, can I ask, we, this builds on a previous employment land review. Can I ask how much it has changed? Were we looking about the same sort of scenarios when we last went through this? It doesn't seem enormously different to me. Um, no, it's, it is broadly the same. Um, I mean, your, the, the, the broad trends are the same. Your, your office demand for office floor, floor space is increasing. Um, your demand for warehouse uh, land is increasing, and demand for manufacturing um, land is decreasing. I mean, that's, that, the, the broad picture since 2011 hasn't changed um, in terms of yeah, the broad trends that you're looking at. Thank you, um, Councillor Dean. We've, um, we've said for many years in this local plan process that it's uh, meant to be jobs-led or employment-led, or that the housing side is meant to be jobs-led. What's, what's not clear to me from 
what I've heard so far, and I haven't had the opportunity to read the whole report, is whether there is any geographical um, difference in balance in terms of where the pressure is coming for for jobs. Um, I mean, you, you may make reference to the airport, Stansted Airport. Um, I'm, I'm not sure that jobs growth there is necessarily where, where jobs growth is coming from there. They've got land that they'd like to use for employment. Um, but you, you made no reference, for instance, to Cambridge and the, the sort of growth, major growth in that area and how that impacts on this district and, and therefore where jobs are in terms of balancing things out where they're most needed to, to, to meet that pressure if it's there I, I, and I don't know the answer to that so is there a kind of geographical pressure coming in from one direction more than another and hence does that influence where we look for employment land the, so, I mean, so the study is essentially a district level study so in terms of identifying where the pockets are of actual employment demand it doesn't it's not actually going to do that it's it's picking up on where employment is demanded across the district to meet what the employment supply is of land and to identify whether or not there needs to be any further employment supply um, in the report itself it does identify the sort of functional economic market so it talks about where there are sort of links with other areas but it doesn't it's it's not saying this is an area which is definitely going to have employment demand in the future. It's talking about it from a district level point of view, which is what PPG guidance asks for. Does it you know, just come back? So if, to some extent, therefore, there's a, a bit of a, a weakness in this type of report in guiding us as to where we locate not just housing but employment land. Would you, would you say that that would require another piece of work then if, if, if we felt we needed it? Well, I mean, it's, it's whether or not you... It's, 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 it's meeting the requirements of the PPG guidance, which is what you require for an employment land study as part of the local planning process. Um, yes, you could do some more locally specific work, but that's not required for what's required as part of the PPG guidance. So. The uh, report does talk about the London Stansted Cambridge uh, corridor and what is happening there. There's a chapter on that. Um, on that point, so I will come to you, Councillor Lodge, but um, in where people work, it was a very interesting study in terms of commuters and um, where else they go. But there's quite a big lump at the bottom of that, 23% of others. Are you able to throw any further light on that? Because it was almost it was one of the largest proportions. Isn't, is there a footnote in the report? So in the in the report, we've the the percentages for where others go uh, are generally so low that it's it's a, it's a very long list. So we identify where the, the the key locations are that people are commuting to and from, and then we aggregate the rest of it into others. So within the others category, there isn't. There isn't any more significant percentages of out or inflows. Um, what you're talking about there is very minor um, percentages, which in aggregate. But lots of them. Lots of yes. them. Yeah, yes. lots of little lots pieces. Of yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's helpful. Yeah. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. Probably uh, my own ignorance here on where we are on the call for sites for employment land, uh, and 
then how we go on for the PPWG to consider those sites and then how that fits into the overall spatial strategy. So could we perhaps have a word for our planning professionals here on how that will go? I asked the same question during the presentation. Do you want me to pick that one up, Chairman? <coughs> yes, I mean, and it feeds on from what Councillor Dean was saying about, about the locational issues, because what we have now is we know what the demand is for additional employment space. We know where the suggested sites are that have been put forward and promoted. And we're also now getting an emerging, uh, if you like, housing strategy. So the next job for PPWG is to fit those three bits of the jigsaw together. Uh, and clearly, um, PPWG will have a view about um, the relationship between locations of uh, where new housing might go and where new employment might go. But at this stage, there's not one leading the other, Chairman, if, if that makes sense. So that, that will be essentially for this group uh, to determine in terms of, well, how closely related employment is to new housing and where it goes, given that we know the overall quantum Excuse me, and we also have some pointers from ACOM about where the most suitable employment sites might be. So, so in, in principle, then we'll probably look at that on the on the 7th of September, at least an, an early look at it. We'll certainly be looking at it by October, Chairman, when, when all the, as I said, all those pieces will fit together. Could I just have one, one, one more question, a little bit on the technical side? Um, this seemed to have got delayed. I wonder why. We had a, we had a draft report in May and a, a draft final two months ago, um, sort of echoing some of my other concerns. Why has why it taken so long for this to get to us? Jim, I can answer that, Chairman. Yeah, we had to go back um, some points of clarification, particularly about the relationship between homes growth and jobs growth, because we wanted to be absolutely entirely satisfied that there was no disparity be between them. So there was some toing and froing, Chairman, on, on those issues. Yeah, just on a point of clarification, uh, I asked you about the Stansted point, because uh, um, you raised a query about um, whether it is considered within the boundary or not, but for some time now, if we are talking about the same site, which I think we are, which is an employment land site uh, owned by MAG, but not within the perimeter of what comes under category 8 on your chart, so we consider this to be outside and perfectly legitimate to develop as, as employment land, and in fact, um, Manchester Airport Group, as you may be aware, presumably they told you they have got some quite advanced plans to do that. So, yes, for us it is a major employment opportunity to make better use of. Uh, uh, good. Any other questions? Well, thank you very much. So, um, in summary, there's, there's pressure, particularly on open, office space, uh, really for now uh, to develop that, because if you've got a vacancy of 1%, you're at capacity, which is broadly what you said. Uh, slightly more relaxed on industrial. Uh, change within industrial from manufacturing, which is decreasing, to other uses, particularly warehouses. Um, and, um, and you've spelt out, I think that was a, an 8% growth, if I remember correctly, but... So 8% refers to the what we call an optimum vacancy rate. So that is, if if your warehousing stock is is 8% vacant, then that's what that's what we term as an optimal vacancy rate. So that allows sufficient churn of premises and sufficient choice within the market for different occupiers to move on once they, uh, you know, once their current premises are no longer fit for purpose. 
Um, so, notwithstanding um, the work that we're doing on the local plan, the need for more office space is, is fairly acute and is something that needs to be a priority for, for the council. And clearly, it will come out in the local plan, but uh, it, it, it's something for now. Um, and um, the rest of what you're suggesting uh, is a broad spectrum, and, and, and this group will decide how that fits with, with housing. You note what's going on. You've indicated in terms of the, uh, what's going on around Stansted. You note what uh, the London Stansted uh, corridor. Uh, you note the slight difference between activity in the north and the south um, and the smaller time activity in the north, whereas the more concentrated in the south. So, uh, in, Councillor Parker. Um, I just wanted to check what position you've taken with, what's it called, Trisail, Gaunt's End? Yeah. Is that added in? Yeah. Or do you know about yep. Trisail? Yep. So is that in, included in what it, you say we've got? It's in the report and, uh, the and progressing well, not fully let, but uh, what you say is it's, um, it's on a success curve. Yes, I mean, um, Trisail won't be... Um, part of, it wasn't considered part of the existing employment okay. supply because it's not um, currently built out, yeah. but as if in part of the report you'll see there's a section on um, existing permissions um, and we've, we've aggregated all of that and said if, if this is uh, implemented then you could achieve X floor space, you know, office floor space, which will go some way to meeting your, your estimated demand. Um, so it is considered, but not, um, yeah, not as part of the current supply. Okay, any other questions? Thank you very much indeed for a comprehensive report and the presentation this evening, and uh, obviously a key part of the matrix that puts our plan together. And you're very welcome to stay as I said earlier, but if you wish to get on the road, uh, we quite understand. Okay, so just going back to the first point, I never actually took apologies. We know um, that uh, Councillor Davis is on annual leave. Um, I believe Councillor Lachlan is away. Right. Um, and uh, those are the two apologies that we're aware of. Um, minutes of the last meeting. Um, could I declare an interest as an Essex County Councillor? And I should declare an interest as a resident of Great Chesterford. Gosh. Right, okay. Um, amnesia is setting in. Uh, Councillor Mills to add to the list. Right, thank you. Um, apologies, Councillor Mills, if you're listening. Um, any other declarations of interest? Okay, minutes of the last meeting. Were they a true record? Yep. So I'll take the 12th of July as the first set. Are they a true record? Yep. Any matters arising from the 12th of July? PP 14, 15, which was basically it. No matters arising from that meeting. The meeting on the 19th of July, were they a true record? Matters arising from that meeting, PP 9, 10, 11 and 12? Yes, I have one on PP 
Top of page 11, it talks about officers agreed to provide a report of the various meetings between now and the end of the year and essentially what they're all for. Um, we, we haven't yet had that. So you're referring to the items, uh, the... Um, and, and I know it's a changing scene, so I think it's important that we, we have a new schedule of meetings and, and clarity as to what's going to happen at each one. At the end of this, under any other business, I'm going to do a quick rundown of the, the, of the forthcoming meetings that are coming up between now and March, but we'll circulate something, as we said, so we'll get that sent around tomorrow. Do that. P13. Yes, if I just on on 12, in, in fact, just we dash through it there. Um, we we had a lot of discussion about um, the project plan, and, and we we had a look at a, a project plan last time or the time before. Um, it seems to have died a death. Have we have we abandoned it now, or does it maybe relate to my letter, which I'll come on to in a moment? It certainly hasn't died a death. In fact, it's very much alive and kicking. Um, a a very comprehensive plan was presented to you at the last meeting. Uh, we now we have engaged and employed a project planner who I understood couldn't be here tonight, but we'll, we'll try and attend the next meeting. Um, and um, so all the points that you've been making about uh, you know, what you want to see on a plan will, will be uh, put in place and will be presented at the next PPWG meeting, which I think Mr. Glenday is going to refer to later. It's okay. certainly project planning is absolutely there. Good, good. I, I, I thought that would have been something this time, but, but obviously not. Then, um, related to that, um, members will have seen my, my letter to the, to the chairman about the number of concerns and, uh, and timing. And, in fact, the, the chair and I have met on this and uh, discussed it. And um, we agreed that, first of all, that this should be... Um, uh, uh, an addendum to the papers of this meeting. Chair, I think we're correct, so if, uh, if I could see that happens. And the letter and my responses and to the, the letter. Response. Yeah. Um, and I think what we also agreed was that there will be a, possibly a further interchange between myself and the chair and possibly with officers and that it will be uh, an agenda item at the next meeting. So, Chair, I think you are, you are happy with that. We'll do that. Yep, absolutely. I think... Um, uh, obviously it's a long letter with a lot of points so after we've had our discussion I think it would be helpful for the meeting if specifically we knew what points we were going to raise at the next uh, PPWG. I think it may well be that it will get condensed down. Okay. Right. And finally then just on 13 if I'm left with the floor on that. Um, duty to cooperate, I haven't seen anything from Cambridge recently. Has anything happened? Anything to report? Anything there? Sorry, anything from Cambridge? I, I haven't them. recently met with Cambridge. Um, Cambridge City Council, sorry, South Cambridge Council is, is working closely with Cambridge City Council and South Cambridge is looking to, um, um, sorry, looking to deliver all its own numbers within its own boundaries. It would only be necessary, I feel, to have a further meeting myself as a member with Cambridgeshire um, should we decide to look in any more detail at um, garden settlements in the north of the district yeah. when we would have all considerable allocations in the north of the district where we would evidently have to discuss further highways issues. 
but at the moment South Cambridgeshire is looking to, to contain its, uh, its housing numbers as we are looking to contain ours. And as I say, the, the only reason to, for myself at member level, I don't know whether the officers have met up, but at member level, the only reason would be if we were looking at major development in the north of the district. And so we are looking a bit self-contained at the moment then really, aren't we? No, it, they, they, I think no, what, what uh, Councillor Park is what, saying what is What I mean is they are, I think the number is 850 a year or 950 a year that South Cambridgeshire is being required to deliver and it says it can do that within its boundaries. So it is not looking for Uttlesford to deliver any of its housing numbers. So, you know, the same is true of Braintree. You know, that, Mr Fox, I think you've got something to add. Yeah, yeah, yes, I have, Chairman. Yeah, it's a very good summary of the, the housing position. Um, uh, Councillor Barker, as regards transport, we are talking closely with um, colleagues in Cambridge because clearly there's cross-boundary implications of the transport study, Chairman. Does that answer your question? So we've got two sets of minutes that uh, have uh, been considered and matters arising considered of them. We have dealt with item four. We now go on to item five, the Chesterhood Neighbourhood Plan. Uh, first of all, the historic environment assessment. Um, who will be talking to this item? I, I, I will, Chairman. Okay. Um, and uh, can I introduce both of these items together, Chairman, because there is correspondence relating to uh, both of those agenda items from Bidwells, and I believe um, a letter from Bidwells has been circulated, but members may not have had time to look at it yet. So if, if Chairman, you just want to allow members of the group a few minutes to just read through that, because it is self-explanatory. Okay, we'll pause for a few moments while we read this. I don't like taking things at the meeting, but uh, we, we've got... Yeah, sorry about that, Chairman, but he did only arrive very recently. Okay, um, hopefully you've had a chance to digest that letter. Let's just uh, be clear before we start. We're going through a process not dissimilar, but certainly not exactly the same as the discussion we had on the Great Dumbo Neighbourhood Plan. Um, these aspects are brought to our attention. I do remind you of the recommendation on both five and I'm pretty certain six as well, uh, which is to note we're not voting, we're not taking it as evidence, we're noting a document um, and clearly uh, there will be further discussion on these aspects. If we're content, I'll ask Mr Fox to carry on. 
Yes, that's You're absolutely right. Um, the Fed Fund Group just wants to Group has noted, Chairman, it may be that people disagree with findings of the employment study. Okay, thank you for that introduction. Um, I'm sure everybody has read the report um, and uh, in the context that it's just been set in uh, by Mr. Fox. Do we have any questions, Councillor Dean? When I, I first saw the agenda for tonight's meeting, I had similar concerns to the ones which have been raised in this letter by Bidwells. Um, first of all, it, it's, as far as I'm aware, the first time we've actually had individual bits of work from uh, a neighbourhood plan rather than a, uh, a completed neighbourhood plan. Um, this, uh, I mean, our officers say that this can be considered as evidence, but when we, as a council, the district council, call for evidence, we write terms of reference so that we know what we're uh, asking for, and members of this working group have in the past uh, satisfied themselves that the requested terms of reference are what is needed to produce a local plan. Um, whereas here, there's a... Um, uh, 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 Two, two reports. We don't know what the what was requested by the, uh, the client, the, the neighbourhood working group. So you know that in itself raises a question: as if we don't know what they asked for, well, we, we we don't know whether they've got the right answer. And my other, or, or, or a balanced a balanced picture, should I say? And my other concern is that you know here we are with um, a report on landscape for one particular parish. If we're going to be using landscape information in due course to determine, as, as one of the factors to determine where the best location is in future for development, then where are the landscape reports for the rest of the district? Um, so, so I think, I think there's, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned with this approach that we're bringing in information that which wasn't commissioned by this council. Um, by all means treat it as a representation but, but, but in terms of evidence I'm not sure and I think that's a, essentially the um, sort of points that uh, Bidwells are raising in the, the letter. I think it's important that we have a level playing field across the whole district as part of our decision making process rather than it potentially being skewed by it doesn't matter which parish it is coming forward with reports of this nature that, that we've had no involvement in commissioning so I, I seek some assurances please 
through you, through you, Chairman. Can I Mr. Fox. Try, try and provide those assurances? Um, I think the first thing I would say is the national guidance and the national planning policy framework say that it is good practice for councils to take on board neighbourhood planning evidence because it's part of localism and bottom-up planning. I fully accept what you say, councillor, about us not knowing what the content of the brief was. And clearly, should this evidence, in inverted commas, come into play uh, at any stage during the formulation of our policies, clearly we will need to know what the terms of that brief was. And clearly we uh, know that we didn't commission the pieces of work and that they have been challenged. So that's all a matter of fact and record. The further assurance I hopefully I can give you is that um, we have commissioned uh, our own piece of landscape work. We did that as part of the issues and options consultation. There was a sustainability appraisal going right back um, the back end of last year now. So we have, if you like, a sort of independent reference point that we will be using as well. So, so hopefully I'm saying is, is that we're not going to be led, if I can use that term, Chairman, by, by this study particularly, but we have been told by government that it's good practice to take on board these types of studies. I think that's probably all I can say for the time being, Chairman, on it. Councillor Parry. Um, the local plan section of the UDC website lists all of the background studies that have taken place. These include the historic settlement character assessments of each of the main towns and villages conducted in 2007. This was the work that the Council considered necessary for the historic character assessments. So, so why is Chesterford, the Chesterfords different? Um, why is it not good enough for them, the, the work that's already been done, if it's good enough for all the others? And doesn't that mean now you should be going to Great Dunmo, who are even further on with their um, neighbourhood plan? And other, I know other parishes are um, completing a neighbourhood plan. That's going to provide an awful lot of work to do in the next couple of months if, if everybody starts producing reports like this. And I'd like to know why the existing reports aren't enough. Through you, Chairman, I'm not saying the existing reports aren't enough. I think they, they stand as our own commissioned pieces of work and all um, the Chesterfords have done as part of their background work to preparing their neighbourhood plan. They, did, they thought it was a good idea to commission these studies. Councillor Barker. Chairman, we're all querying whether or not they should have been commissioned if they were commissioned correctly. They are absolutely delightful to read. They give such an amount of information about a part of our district about the historical context and about the topography and geology. Um, they may be over the top, but I must say I admire the parish council. I know nothing about Greatchester Parish Council except that they are very active parish council, but I admire them for commissioning these reports and I would commend anybody who's got a spare hour or three to read them because it does tell them an enormous amount about the history of the, of the area and the fact that it was once the second largest Roman settlement in Essex. I learned a lot. So... Um, they may be a little over the top. We may not agree with all the outcomes and the, um, the sort of tables at the end, but certainly as a bit of literature for the, the, the Council to Commission, I, I think they're wonderful. Any other points? Okay, well, we'll take five and six. Um, noting the comments that have been made, Noting the letter from Bidwells, 
Um, but I do think there's an important point here in the neighbourhood plan process is its own process that runs in parallel with the local plan. Some communities will uh, are further on than others uh, and therefore uh, the, what they do may have a greater or it may not have a greater bearing on the outcome of our local plan um, and that is not for this council to um, Enforced. I mean, we're giving as much possible support that we can to the development of neighbourhood plans. Uh, but as uh, uh, those communities that put forward something wish to, then it should be uh, considered by the council at the appropriate time. So, I, I, I think we should hear what um, Mr. Fox said about government guidance on neighbourhood plans, but also take note of what Councillor Dean, Councillor Parry uh, have said and, and assessed in the context of the. Bidwell's letter. So we're only noting, I'm not going to take it to a vote as I didn't take four to a vote, we're noting these things. If you're content with that summary, we'll move on to uh, item seven. There's nothing else you want to add to item six, is there? Okay, so um, item seven, Mr Gillam. Yeah, I'll, I'll start things off, uh, Chairman, if that's okay. Um, the, yeah, Sorry, item seven is the Braintree District Council local plan, preferred options document, June 16. We do have a, 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 a speaker on this, Nick uh, Bohenko-Smith, if I, if I got that right. Um, and um, what we normally do on these occasions is to hear the summary uh, from the officer, uh, uh, and then uh, you speak, and then the, um, the working group will comment. Yes, thank, thank you, Chairman. Yes, just just introduce uh, my colleague Alan Gillam to the working group. For those of you who don't know him, uh, he's obviously the author of the report. And if we get into any of the detailed questions, hopefully Alan will will help out. Um, Self-explanatory report, Chairman. Braintree have, are consulting on their preferred options. The actual consultation uh, has expired, but they've indicated that they're happy to take a holding response from us, which we've, which we've sent, um, and if approved uh, by Cabinet, sorry, I should have mentioned that this, this report will go on to Cabinet, will form our formal uh, comments. Thank you, Chairman. Buhenko-Smith. Thank you very much. Um, I actually understand there's been a little bit of a mix-up, so you haven't received the information which I have in front of me, but I will forward it on um, so it can be looked at. I'm sorry, there was a, an error with regard to our emails. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you very much for allowing me to speak at this session. Um, my name is Nick Behenko-Smith. I'm actually a resident of Uttlesford, but I'm also here as a representative of um, Circle. Um, which is um, a campaign group which is trying to stop the erosion of rural communities in Essex. Um, just as background with regard to this, um, Circle was established this summer um, with regard to a small group of local residents in Uttlesford, which has now grown um, and we now have support across nearly all of the parish councils, or the parishes I should say, on both the UDC and BDC. Um, so we're actually growing and continue to grow. Um, our primary objective actually is the opposition of Braintree's presumption that a new town will be built at west of Braintree. Um, they've been very aggressive in this, in the consultations that we've gone to. It's always been, we are building this town. So we've actually 
uh, formed this campaign group and obviously part of that crosses into um, Uttlesford. Now you probably noticed at an early stage um, as an indication of our resolve and commitment um, you can actually have a look at BDC's local plan consultation of where we've actually put forward a large number of points um, but it's not only that it's of the high quality of those points. Um, but however beyond those responses we actually have identified more significant issues around areas such as non-adherence to UK and local planning policies, the principles of, principles of TCPA, just to name a few. Um, so it's actually, I've come along to ask with regard to BDC's presumptive attitude, um, Uttlesford's opinions on the four following points. Um, Obviously, the first one is they're promoting a site as a certainty and have proposed a total number of houses of up to 13,000, of which a portion is in Uttlesford. Um, my first question really is, has Braintree any grounds to make these claims on UDC's behalf? No. Okay. Um, now, this is another one. In the planning policy meeting, the date of the 25th of May, uh, the leader of BDC, and I will quote this with regard to the new towns, in respect to the two sites, I will be particularly interested in the one coming forward for Wester Braintree because the largest employee in the district is Stansted. And whether we like it or not, Stansted Airport is not going to decrease, it's, going to sh it's not going to shrink, it's going to grow in size and it's becoming more and more a major employer for this part of the country. And wouldn't it make sense to develop housing which is close to the major airport? Um, so I think it's well worth looking at West Essex. From that, um, the group and maybe the council could infer that Braintree are looking to meet their housing requirements with the site, but expecting Uttlesford to meet their employment requirements. Um, again, I don't know whether or not you have an opinion on that at this stage. Um, also, and this is the one that's causing a lot of concern for residents, not just in the direct area, but wider. Um, if they're actually indicating that people will be going west, specifically along the old uh, A120, which is now the B1256. Um, again, what is Uttlesford's thoughts on what seems to be Braintree shifting its transport issues onto our council? Um, and then finally, on point four, um, if the council are aware of these issues and have had discussions with Braintree, um, we just don't see any publicly available documents nor virtually no mention in any planning meetings. Um, and we're concerned about this because obviously given the statements from the council after the rejection of the last plan, we would have thought transparency would have been one of the essential items for this local plan. Thank you. Transparency absolutely is the fundamental uh, of this plan. Um, and thank you very much for your comments. So, sorry. Maggie, could you just turn the thing? Um, so just, uh, I'll start if I may. Officers may want to chip in and obviously other colleagues can comment uh, on this as well. Um, Braintree can't decide about putting housing in Uttlesford, so which is why I said no to that point. Um, nor can we stop Braintree deciding where it's going to put its housing um, and whether it does it in aggressive manner is you know we don't like to think of ourselves being aggressive in uh, Uttlesford so you know it's not really for me to comment on how they're going about it um, but um, certainly you're right 
they, they have, uh, it, is, it is on their list of proposals uh, under whatever terms you like to say that, it's out there in the public domain. As far as this council is concerned, and, and we must be crystal clear on this, uh, we have got to find homes for 4,600 houses. Um, and the council has already made the decision that it will start a, maybe more than one, new settlement. So they're going to have to go somewhere. Uh, in answer to your... Now, no member knows what officers are going to be recommending next month. Um, we, we, we know what Braintree are talking about, uh, you know, we know other circumstances, but it's still at the moment uh, being developed by officers and we deliberately have kept it this way because we want um, our proposals to be evidence-based and for them to be as, as an outcome of research and empirical evidence. However, uh, at some point, uh, officers will be putting forward uh, sites for a new settlement so I, you know we can't comment tonight where there's going to be it'd be wholly inappropriate so I'm sure you'll appreciate that um, and, and it's, I'm sure there'll be future meetings when it won't just be you it will this room will be absolutely packed with people who don't like the choices that are being made we, we accept that I mean but I think it's terribly important to bear in mind I mean your group talked about um, the development of rural sites in uh, in Uttlesford. Well, that's going to happen. We don't have big brownfield sites in Uttlesford, and we've got to find homes for 4,600 houses. So uh, it is of the option. I mean, you've seen the blobs on the map, so that's in the public domain. Uh, they're all um, uh, in areas that are broadly similar, actually. So, um, and, and bluntly, there is no way around this. So I think your group may want to think very seriously about what it can really achieve because um, we have no option. We must produce a plan. Um, and you know the, the geography of uh, Uttlesford well. Um, and the council has made the decision cross-party to develop, as I say, one or maybe more than one new settlement. So you can sort of work out the, where this is going uh, without actually talking about any individual sites. Um, so we've heard what you've said. Thank you very much indeed. Um, and um, I've answered what questions I can answer, but beyond that, um, you'll realise that we're about a month or six weeks ahead of you know, having the detailed discussion, but that will be had, and obviously there'll be a very full consultation uh, that will run right the way through November and December. Um, officers, do you want to add to anything I've said? Yeah. Mr. Gillam. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, picking up uh, one or two points. And please be careful not to give any indication of any officer considerations. Of course. Um, just a few points of clarification. The, uh, the housing numbers quoted in the preferred option are all in Braintree. Um, in terms of the uh, employment uh, issue that was raised, um, the document also mentions that all of Braintree's employment needs will be met in Braintree. And I think that was brought out quite well by what we heard earlier on the employment study. We're not making any specific allocations or no, no, no specific allocations were mentioned in the employment uh, study about uh, Braintree.
So, comments uh, from members? Councillor Dean? Dodge? I, I am uncomfortable with the documentation that's been presented to us tonight in that it can be read as, as giving a number light to this proposal. I say it can be. In that <clears throat> there are lots, lots of technical speak which, you know, says, well, this cross-border process is a jolly good process, you know, so which, which indicates that we think that it might deliver or can be interpreted that it's going to deliver some uh, acceptable outcome. And there are no caveats in either the report or the draft letter or the interim letter, if that's the right thing, you know, which says that the council has not yet begun to determine where it is going to locate its housing, including those at um, new settlements. So I, I think that this, this letter needs a major rewrite to make it very clear to not just us, but to the public um, and the, the District Council at Braintree and the parishes in the vicinity of this proposal that, um, you know, that there isn't um, a stitch-up going on, that we are going through a deliberative and transparent process which will be evidence-based, that we're not going to be bounced into something just because Braintree has a particular aspiration on its side of the boundary. Um, and what we have in front of us at the moment doesn't say anything to reassure anybody particularly over in the <coughs> Stebbing area, that, that this is all inevitable and we're just playing a game. So I, which, which I don't believe we are, but nevertheless it's about how you go about writing things and the words you use and, uh, and the clarity you put into them. So I would like to suggest that before this comes to the Cabinet, which I think is not until a month away, uh, that, there's, that perhaps there's a dialogue on this to... Um, and I know we <laughs> as time runs on we're, we're running into um, the, the early stages of, uh, of, of pinpointing areas but at this stage I think this, uh, this letter can be seen to be jumping the gun. Well I'll ask Mr Glenday whose name is at the bottom of the letter uh, to comment on that. Uh, I don't see that. Um, I see this as a note. You know we, we cannot unnote what Braintree are doing uh, so in noting what they're doing we give no commitment in this letter at all um, but Mr Glenday do you want to comment? Um, thank you Chair I, I would just endorse what you said really I mean what we obviously the, the deadline for consultation was the 19th of August so what we put in is this holding response um, in my view this letter is acknowledging what Braintree is trying to do it's not actually quantifying anything that we've said as, as you well know that I'm still not in a position where we've actually got to a conclusion on where we think the settlement should be so we couldn't possibly comment to say either we endorse or we don't endorse. The nature of this I appreciate is that it is vague in some areas because it's, it's, it's acknowledging that this is something that Braintree is looking to do and clearly we are interested in what they're, what they're looking to do but in my view I can't see that this letter reads in any way saying that we've made a decision one way or the other on this or any other proposed settlement. We've still got to consider that throughout September and October. Thanks. Uh, it was Councillor Lodge and then uh, Councillor Barker. Thanks Chair. I have a couple of points. I'll go through them and wait for the answers seriously. Um, 
Earlier, in the recommendations, the, uh, this council acknowledges that the distribution strategy is logical and in line with the NPPF. Um, that seems to me to be quite, quite a statement. Have we really researched their work so thoroughly uh, that we can say that? And um, wasn't it a bit of a waste of time? Um, then the, the second point is, can you please tell us without giving away anything we don't want to give away, but how much work is going on with, uh, with Braintree. Please, thank you. So specifically the comment about acknowledge that the distribution strategy is logically in line with the MPPF, I think it's actually easier to do than you might suggest, but I'll ask officers to comment on that. Um, and then just comment on uh, what are basically discussions going on with all the p possible um, single settlement sites, I believe, but officers without giving anything away can comment on that. Yes, the reference to um, national planning uh, policy is really a matter of fact. Basically, national policy um, encourages um, the approach that's been taken, basically to have a, a strategic approach, a logical approach to uh, sustainable development. And MPPF is set out in that way. We're not giving. We're not giving. We're not saying. Um, that we are for or against, we're simply stating a matter of fact. And the second half, Councillor Barker, we'll touch on we, that. Yeah, we, we had a duty to cooperate meeting with Braintree a few weeks ago. Um, at that meeting, we evidently touched on this particular development and we questioned Braintree closely and they have, in looking at this particular proposal, they have a proposal that is totally standalone within Braintree without any input from Uttlesford District Council that they still feel is a viable option for them to take forwards. However, if Uttlesford did decide to allocate this area, then we would evidently have to have details and some arrangement with them. But we did reassure ourselves that the site with no housing in the Uttlesford District as far as they were concerned, was still a viable option. So it sounds like we've got a situation where all options are open from our perspective. That's what we're trying to yeah. keep everywhere. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, any other queries? In which case, um, I think we do need just a show of hands here. You've read the recommendations. I won't read them all out. They're quite extensive. Um, can I, those in favour of the recommendations, please? Are we endorsing this draft letter? It's gone, isn't it? There's to be a final one. I know, that, I know this one's gone. So just to clarify, it, we've sent a holding response because the consultation ended on the 19th. I mean, if there were some issues that you did want to change, we can obviously change that if, if necessary. So the, the letter's gone as an officer response subject to agreement by Cabinet. So Cabinet can still consider any a slight amendments it wants to if, if absolutely necessary. I'm not going to re recommend comments here and now, but I will send in my opinions on the phraseology of the letter. No, by all means, by all means. But I, yeah, but uh, and it will be concluded at cabinet as well. But just in terms of the recommend, the recommendation noting the proposed response and recommends that cabinet comments on Braintree, uh, and, and then the eight nine bullet points. Those in favour of that? I've got uh, five with one abstention. Or are you voting? Are you abstaining, Alan? Five in support, one abstention. Thank you. Item 8, 
uh, which is the draft local plan chapters. I don't see Sarah. I think she's on holiday, but I do see Susanna. So I don't know whether it's you or... I'll, 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 I'll start things okay. off, Chairman, again. Um, yes, uh, yes you, you're right, Sarah Nicholas did put, put a lot of work into this, so um, credit, credit to her. Um, you've already seen um, earlier iterations of these chapters, Chairman. What's happened subsequently is that we've had uh, the member workshop uh, and we've also incorporated now the strategic policies, the SP policies at the beginning of these chapters. So those are the essential differences. I think two, thank you Alan, two points I'd, I'd like to make. One is uh, to advertise, there's another workshop next week, happening a week tomorrow. I can't remember the exact time, Gordon, do you? Is it? Um, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll get that to you in a, in a minute, Chairman. Um, and secondly, so there'll be an, another an opportunity there if members haven't ploughed through all this material yet or think of other things to say. And secondly, as ever, we're quite happy to take on board comments um, you know, to, to the team, direct to the team, if members have got any ideas, Chairman. So other than that, that's, that's all I'll say. Okay, bearing in mind there is another, some of you have already been on a session, there's another session coming up to go through this in uh, great detail. Um, so uh, are there any comments at this stage? You will have a further opportunity. Councillor Lodge. Um, thank you, Gordon. I'm sure I've got it ブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルーブルー
Welcome to the left next to outline. Next to next to outline. Just to the top, Maggie. Oh, Up to the left. It's the, it's, the, it's the cross, Richard. That's it. Isn't it? Scroll up a bit. Hopefully that. Can you just scroll down a bit? Anyway, okay, hopefully you can make out most of that. Um, can you scroll down a bit, Richard? So just, just, just to clarify, just to, just to begin with, because I'm still relatively new, I took the opportunity of introducing myself to CLG uh, officers uh, a couple of weeks back. Susanna and myself went down to visit CLG just to introduce myself and update, my, uh, and update them on where we are with the local plan. An interesting thing, not, not a surprising thing, but an interesting thing that came out from the session that we had with them is that we went through our uh, plan project, a project plan which is around adopting in March 2017 as we all know. I did ask them what flexibility there was around that, if any, but they made it very, very clear that they gave us the strongest steer I've, I've heard from CLG officers that we should be looking to submit in March 2017. Um, they, they obviously can't go into details, but it, it's clear that they are looking at potential interventions on local plans. They're looking at potential issues around new homes, bonus, etc., etc. They don't say it in as many words, but reading between the lines, um, I think we really have to be adopting our plan by March 2017. So no new news as such, but um, a, a very strong clarity that that's the case. So working on the basis that we do adopt, we do submit by March 2017. Um, just running through this program now. Um, we mentioned tonight that we are having a members workshop on the 7th of September. Um, at that members workshop what we'll be doing is bringing you up to speed with the transport study that has been concluded now. So we've asked the transport consultants to come along, do a presentation to you, a bit like we had the employment uh, study earlier on today. There'll be a Q&A opportunity at that um, just for you to obviously understand what the background is of that because that's obviously a key piece of evidence for the, the local plan. Um, some of you will be aware that we have written to parish councils asking them to identify possible sites that they may want to have considered as part of the new local plan for housing. Um, we've asked them to feedback by the 2nd of September and what we'll be doing at the workshop on the 7th is again feeding back to you on the on the output of that. Obviously, we've, we've not, we haven't, I don't think we've actually had any back yet, but I think a lot of them are meeting in the next week or so. So we will get some feedback on that. Um, we'll also be bringing you uh, what we call a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats analysis of the potential um, new settlement sites. We've touched on that earlier tonight, so officers will be going through on the 7th in a bit more detail where we see the various options and you know what the strengths and weaknesses are of each of the options on the um, new proposed settlements. So we'll be, we'll be doing that and then we'll be breaking into, into um, workshops like we did last time. With the idea being that we're asking members to consider the information um, that they've heard on the, on the night and we will send a few bits and pieces out beforehand as well. Have we missed stuff? Have we got stuff wrong? Is there some other things in the transport plan and the transport uh, study that don't make sense, that don't ring true to you, etc., etc.? So there'll be an opportunity for you to feed back to us as to um, the, the, the evidence based that we're moving forward with. Um, we will then have this next planning policy working group on the 13th of September. 
and that group will, will be very similar to the members working group but the members working group will not be a, a public meeting um, but they obviously the PPWG on the 13th will be so you'll be hearing a lot of that again but that's obviously in the public arena so that members of the public can hear where we are at with the, the evidence base um, we've then scheduled some public exhibitions on the 14th, the 20th and the 28th of September um, again we'll be going out we'll have one in, one in uh, Saffron Walden one in Stansted, Mount Fitcher and one in Dunmore and they'll be uh, sort of exhibitions sort of drop-in sessions where again we'll be sharing the information that we've got already on things like the transport study employment study um, SWOT analysis of the settlement site again to give people information as to what's coming forward prior to the formal consultation that we'll be having in November, December uh, we are now talking about, we, we may clarify that tonight when I talk to the chair, it might be in the next few days, but we are looking to then hold a special... Clarified. Cl is it clarified? So, so, right, okay, thank you, Chair. So we will be having a special planning policy working group on the 11th of October. We had one scheduled for the 6th, but due to timing issues, the 11th um, gives us more time to actually bring the evidence to you in, um, in a more consolidated manner. At that meeting on the, t on the 11th, that's where officers will be coming to you, having analysed all the information that we've got and basically saying to you, we think you should go for settlement XYZ, whatever it is, you know, the growth in town AB and villages LMN, whatever we've got to say. Um, so, so that's where we're getting down to the nitty gritty of the actual figures being the actual uh, numbers of new, new, new homes etc being put onto the settlements that we've been discussing so that's obviously going to be a really important planning policy working group can I just uh, actually just slightly uh, correct you there oh, sorry. Uh, Gordon insofar as it's not going to be a planning policy working group ah, it, right. it's, it, it is going to be a planning policy workshop right okay sorry um, yeah. it will be a private meeting right yeah yeah, so, so it's a big budget, that's right, yeah. So, yeah, so that won't be uh, in public. That will be a workshop, again, like the, the one we have on the 7th. The, then we will be having a subsequent planning policy working group on the 25th of October. And what that will be doing is basically taking the whole of the local plan to the group. So we'll be, we'll be taking everything to you. So all the policies that we've been talking about over the last several months, the site allocations, the new settlement, settlements, whatever it is, that will all be in a consolidated document. So that will be coming on the 25th of October. Um, that will then be taken forward and the, 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 the comments from this group will then be fed into the cabinet on the 26th. They will then be fed into a scrutiny panel, which we now have scheduled for the 31st of October. And then the comments from that will be then taken into account by the full council on the 1st of November. So the 1st of November full council will be where we bring to you the entire local plan, um, policies, site allocations, everything. And subject to full council approving that report on the 1st of November, um, we would then begin the formal uh, regulation, what's called Regulation 19 consultation on the 2nd of November. And we'll take that through to end of December, beginning of January. So that's where we're at over the next uh, two, you know, three, four months. It's um, admittedly, it's a, t it's a tight schedule. There's no question of that. Um, but I think the key thing from my point of view is that it, it's doable. Um, CLG, I can't stress this enough, how much emphasis they put on the fact that we should 
submit by March 2017 and in my professional view following this timeline is really probably the only way we can realistically achieve that deadline of March 2017 so um, it's it's a case of you know really pulling out the stops and getting to the uh, full council for the first of November. Thank you, Chair. If I could just add, really members of the public, in terms of um, where they were to feed in. So the workshop on the seventh of September is 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 for all members of the council to give them an opportunity to uh, hear what's being proposed. But that will be, that will be available on the thirteenth uh, for members of the public. And obviously the papers are issued in advance, so it won't be long after the seventh. Um, and then the um, workshop on the eleventh of October for the planning policy group. Um, uh, that will be in the public domain at the Cabinet meeting on the 26th of October, and obviously those papers are a, a week early, issued a week early as well. So uh, I don't want you to think in any sense that um, there's any kind of behind closed doors. It's, it's important that members get an opportunity to ask frank, open um, questions that um, could, could be um, taken the wrong way by developers or whoever else and just to iron that out so that um, we can present professionally. It still won't stifle debate. I'll be pretty flexible at the Cabinet meeting in terms of um, uh, members of the public if they wish to speak. We obviously have to have some control on that but uh, um, it will be a fairly open meeting. So I hope you um, appreciate uh, the timetable. Just give us a couple of opportunities to consider it but then we'll spring straight back to keep it, keeping it in public which is what we wanted to do with the whole process from day one. Any other comments? Councillor Lodge. Um, I believe we've just heard that the, um, the transport report is available. Um, I don't want to wait until the 17th of September to see it. I'd like to see it now please. What's the answer to that question? Just for clarity, sorry, when I said available, I think, it's, I think we're getting the final drafts through imminently. Um, yeah, we're, we're going through the final checks. If we can send information out before the, the meeting, we will do that. I think that would be helpful, even if it's just a couple of days in advance, because it's going to be quite a lot to digest on the night, in the same way that we had a chance to read a report before the presentation tonight. Um, well, yes, it's not going to magically turn up just on the 7th, so I yeah. am now presuming that some days before we will get it. Yeah, Thank you. Let's, uh, let's make that happen. Councillor Dean? Yeah, I have three points I'd like to make. The, um, <clears throat> the suggestion of the Part 2 meeting on the 11th or the 10th, as you know, there have been difficulties in the past about so-called private or secret meetings, so I need to give further thought to that. Um, before we get to that date. Um, the meeting on the 25th of October, talk about a, a consolidated document, it, some thought needs to be given to how this consolidation takes place and, you know, and, and how members like us who have been receiving drip feed reports over many months, how we can somehow or other factor that in or review what we've looked at into what we get so that we, in a way we're satisfied that what we're seeing is a consolidation of what we've seen before and that the arguments that and the evidence that uh, we saw months ago fits and, and makes sense. So rather than you know, 
here's a great big document, one week to try and work it all out. I, I think that might be too difficult. Um, so it, it's really how we go about that before we get to that date. Uh, and just to say, as the chair of the scrutiny committee, I shall be in either Iceland or New York on the 31st of October. So uh, somebody else can chair the meeting, of course, but uh, nobody asked me about it before the date was set. Um, and I think it's normal to uh, consult chairs of committees before we um, set dates. Okay. Councillor Oliver. Um, can you update me as where we are with the ORS report on gypsies and travellers, or is this just going to be yet another one that's bundled through in a great big pile? Uh, through you, Chairman, I can answer that question. We, ORS, um, did go out and this is an Essex-wide study, uh, Chairman. O ORS did go out to resurvey following the change in legal definition uh, in, the, in the Housing and Planning Act. Um, perhaps unsurprisingly, um, the, the, they did from time to time have uh, difficulty accessing various sites. So what we've agreed to do certainly at Usselsford is to go out uh, and, accom and accompany them and try to get a better response to that survey work because uh, it's quite critical that we do, following the change in definition, that we do try and get out on, on as many sites as we possibly can and, and count caravans and things like that, Chairman. Once, once that has been done, uh, the, the report, so we have an, we have an initial, uh, initial findings, initial numbers, um, that may well change following the resurvey, so we didn't want to jump the gun and then put something before you which was later almost immediately amended, Chairman. Um, on Councillor Oliver's behalf, uh, whilst we understand the rest of it is tight but manageable, uh, it is absolutely imperative that um, we sorted this out by the time we go out to consultation in November. Um, so hopefully the new definitions make it easier for us. Um, so hopefully it won't be the issue it was before. But um, I support Councillor Oliver's point um, and um, we have got to consider this uh, certainly during October, if not before. Any other points? Apologies about uh, your being away, but obviously it's important that there is a scrutiny <laughs> meeting as part of the process, so perhaps we'll talk about that offline, Councillor Dean. I mean, it seems to be in the wrong part of the process, but uh, we'll talk about it offline. Yeah. Okay. okay, if there's no other business, I thank you very much for your time and support and uh, look forward to um, your attendance at the next meeting. Thank you very much. Thank you.